This is a Bergen Film Club podcast. Like an old movie, moved from frame, I am floating and looking for someone to blame. Won't you project me on the walls of your heart? Hello, welcome to The Real Thing. I'm your host, Joe Lawrence, and we're back for a whole new exciting season of The Real Thing for season three. I'm joined by most repeated guest, who I can't <laughs> get rid of, but I won't have it any other way, <laughs> Carolina Trombeck. Welcome back. Hello. Ooh. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, of course. I'm back. My favorite guest. <laughs> yeah, better be. <laughs> mm. oh, no, you yeah. just say that because you're in my apartment right now and yeah. I would kick you out Yeah. on the street if you didn't. That sounds like you. Mm, exactly. Yeah. But here we are. Here we are. Season three. Yeah, let's go. I know. Been let's a long time of podcasting. Yeah. Many hours. Many hours. Of just me speaking. Yeah, but you're doing so great. Yay. Thank it's you. so lovely. Yeah. So to mark a new season, mm-hmm. I'm announcing that we're making some changes to the format of the podcast. And they're so minor, so no one has to worry. <laughs> we're going to be releasing two episodes a week now. Woo-hoo. Uh, still every Monday there will be an episode in the normal um, routine of talking about the films that are in the film club's program Mm -hmm. why you should go see them or just to get more information after you've seen them that will be out every Monday and we're getting rid of recommendations corner on Monday it's being executed and then being brought back to life three days later Jesus style on Thursdays (laughs) but Thursday will be kind of like a recommendations corner but it'll be a bit longer than we normally do on the podcast but still will be quite just a short mini episodes to sort of check in with um what the board wants the people of the of the world are <laughs> <laughs> the people of the world to watch we are miss worldwide and we want to i mean share. this podcast is technically international it is yeah yeah we get listens from outside of norway that is incredible yeah hi by people that i don't know hi Hi, how are you doing? We're talking to you. Leave a frog in the comments (laughs) (laughs) if you're from outside of Norway. Yeah, that's the official emoji of the real thing is the frog emoji. And also the official emoji of Bergen Film Club. Yeah, it is. It's great. It's the frog emoji. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're talking about the opener for our new program, our new semester, which is The Ghost in the Shell Mm -hmm. from 1995. Not the Scarlett Johansson one. I was just going to say, I just want to <laughs> preface before we get into any Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. We are only referring to the movie, the 1995 anime movie. Yes. Because there, I know there is a manga and <laughs> there is another film and yeah, there's a sequel, a sequel and there's a series. Yeah. And there is also a 2017 movie adaption with Scarlett Johansson and... We're not talking about any of that. We're Mm-mm. just talking about the 1995 movie. Yes. 
So to begin, I'm just going to talk at Carolina, and and you, dear listener, <laughs> um, just about the background of this film, and then we're going to get into some themes as per classic style. I feel like I, I just want to make sure everyone's on the same page. Yes. Since we're starting a new year, 2024. How exciting. <laughs> oh, so yeah. exciting. Do you have a new year's resolution? Uh, I want to look at more bugs and birds. <laughs> oh. Just take in yeah. things around me. I watched uh, the Disney film Soul, mm-hmm. which was really good. Is it Disney or is it Pixar? It's Disney the same Pixar. thing. Disney yeah. Pixar. And I was like, damn, I need to appreciate things around me a lot more than I do. So yeah. basically that. I think we could all stand to do that yes. a bit more. I'm not going to tell you mine. So, <laughs> the background of Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell is a 1995 adult animated neo-noir cyberpunk thriller film directed by Mamuro Oshii and adapted by frequent Oshii collaborator Kazunori Ito. The film is based on the manga of the same name by uh, Masamune Shiro. It stars the voices of Atsuko Tanaka, Akio Otsuka, and Iemasa Kayumi. It is a Japanese-British international co-production, executive produced by Kondansha, Bandai Visual and Manga Entertainment, with animation provided by Production IG and a screenplay by Kanzanori Ito. The film is set in 2029 in Japan and follows Motoko Kusanagi, a cyborg public security agent who hunts an enigmatic hacker slash ghost known as the Puppet Master. The narrative incorporates philosophical 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 got it themes <laughs> that focus on self-identity in a technologically advanced world the music composed by kenji kawaii includes vocals in classical japanese the film's visuals were created through a combination of traditional cell animation and cgi animation would you like to try and briefly explain the concept of of a ghost for the listener uh you i watched the film i watched the film um so a, a ghost to me it felt like a ghost was like basically the soul mm-hmm. or like what's left of the the person the fleshy squishy part of a person yeah mm-hmm. so kind of like the soul and what what is human left yeah is how i interpreted it and yeah so pretty much everyone in this world more or less is kind of a cyborg yeah at least the police the police yeah. and al- maybe also some n- quote-unquote normal yeah people too mm-hmm. and it seems that like the human brain or something can be transplanted into different yeah that's shells a, yeah which is basically what is a body is referred to as now it's yeah a shell mm-hmm. to be filled with a soul or a ghost or a ghost as, yeah yes Upon release, Ghost in the Shell received positive reviews, with critics praising its narrative, visuals, and musical score. The film was initially considered a box office failure, before developing a cult following on home video. Since then, it has grown in esteem and is now considered to be one of the best anime and science fiction films of all time. It inspired filmmakers such as the Wachowski sisters, creators of the Matrix films. James Cameron described it as, quote, the first truly adult animation film to reach a level of literacy and visual excellence compared to normal media, mm-hmm. end quote. Which I think is an insane thing to say, because that's <laughs> so not true. So you watched this film very recently. We I should did. just preface... Sorry. Shut up, Carolina. We should preface <laughs> that this film was suggested for the program by our volunteer coordinator, yes. Rust. It was. Yes. 
who is not here. No. Yeah. You got me instead. I do have Caroline <laughs> instead. Because as the resident anime girly, I thought <laughs> no one else could do a better job than talk about this movie. Wow, that is mm. a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially from an anime girly that started getting into anime pretty late in her life. But mm. still an anime girly. I have a lot of anime figurines around in my room. Yeah. <laughs> They're behind you looking at you. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, yeah, I was um, really excited to see this movie. I... I gotta say, I did watch it in English. Mm-hmm. That was not what I wanted, but it was what was accessible for me mm. at the time. So I watched with the English dub. Um, that was an interesting dub, that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I usually don't mind, just to put it out there. I don't care if you watch anime with subs or dubs. You do what you do. Mm-hmm. I hate that, like, you're not a real anime fan if you watch dub. Stop it. <laughs> Get a life. Um, but there are dubs that are better than others. And I would yeah. still want to acknowledge that. So I am very excited to see it again in Japanese. Absolutely. Um, but what I still enjoyed the film. And I thought the animation was incredible. I love that animation style. I think mm. that like 90s animation kind of sci-fi style is so cool. It's uh, it's kind of similar to Neon Genesis, which mm-hmm. I haven't seen everything of, but I still really like the animation style. I think it's super cool. So, this is just giving me memories of the first ever podcast episode that we did because <laughs> we talked about not me and you, sorry, that I did. You did. <laughs> so I was like, wait, did we talk about anime? <laughs> uh, probably we've talked about anime before. The first episode that we did on your name when we had the yeah. guest uh, Matthew Beatty on and we talked about neon genesis and like mm-hmm. um how like a dub and a sub can create a completely different experience yeah totally of a movie and and they used the uh neon genesis as an example mm-hmm. of a of a dub being bad yeah the the scream the yes Sinji. so on that note let's talk a bit about the development yeah of this film so mamuri oshi originally wanted to direct a movie, Jinro, The Wolf Brigade, after he finished Pat Labor to the movie in 1993. He proposed the project to Bandai Visual and was asked to direct an adaptation of Masamune Shiro's 1989 manga, Ghost in the Shell, instead. Oshi would later go on to work on Jinro, but only as a writer. He stated, quote, My intuition told me that this is a story about a futuristic world carried an immediate message for our present world. I'm also interested in computers through my own personal experience with them. I had the same feeling about Pat Labor and I thought it would be interesting to make a film that took place in the near future. There are only a few movies even out of Hollywood which clearly portray the influence and power of computers. I thought this theme would be more effectively conveyed through animation." End quote. Mm-hmm. Oshi explained on these thoughts in a later interview noting that technology changes people and had become a part of culture especially in Japan. He commented that his use of philosophy caused producers to become frustrated because of the sparing use of action scenes. Oshi also acknowledged that a movie with more action would sell better, but he continued to make these movies anyway. When Oshi went back to make changes to the original Ghost in the Shell to re-release it as Ghost in the Shell 2.0, one of the reasons he gave was that the film did not resemble the sequel, and that he wanted to update the film to reflect changes in perspective. Because this film does... uh, it does use action quite sparingly. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of like brooding and a lot of like creating an atmosphere very yeah. 
uh, like Blade Runner. Yes, it is. But I think that's very fitting to mm. the movie. And like, um, I did read someone talking about the film, and they said that the film felt so slow sometimes because there was very long scenes, like just creating atmosphere. Yeah. But I think that it's so cool. I love when films do that. Absolutely. You get to kind of soak up what is happening in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> so they're seeing sort of. I think it's kind of midway through the movie when Matoko is coming back into the city on a boat mm-hmm. and it's just playing this like really incredible score and it's literally just kind of like different visuals of the city mm-hmm. as, as she's going through it and i remember i was like this scene is is long mm-hmm. it's pretty long but uh it does it like creates an atmosphere and it's kind of like that you're in this like super advanced state of society but it, it's so bleak yeah. at the same time and mm-hmm. that's really felt through the whole thing because it's like almost always nighttime and mm-hmm. it's almost always raining yeah mm. it's gray but still very yeah neon at the same yeah, time yeah it's very cool like the natural part of the world is very yeah dead in a way and it's like the the electronics and the computers is, mm-hmm. is like the bright shiny part so on that note the production I've uh, divided up into some sections to talk about the design, the animation, and the audio and the score. So for design, Hiroyuki Okiura, the character designer and key animation supervisor, decided to design Motoko to be more mature and more serious than in the original portrayal of her in the manga. Okiura chose to depict a physically mature person to match Motoko's mental age instead of her youthful 20-something appearance in the manga. Motoko's demeanor lacks the comedic facial expressions and rebellious nature depicted in the manga, instead taken on a more wistful and contemplative personality. Oshi based the setting of Ghost in the Shell on Hong Kong, commenting that uh, his first thought was to find an image of a future world was setting it in an Asian city, but finding a suitable cityscape uh, of the future would be impossible, and so he chose the real streets of Hong Kong as his model. He also said that Hong Kong was the perfect subject and theme for the film, as its countless signs and cacophony of sounds match the film's vibe. He didn't say vibe, I'm saying vibe. <laughs> the film's mecha designer, uh, Takeuchi Atsushi, noted that while the film does not have a chosen setting, it's obviously based on Hong Kong because the city represents the theme of the film, the old and the new, which exists in a strange relationship and age of information deluge. Before shooting the film, the artist drew sketches that emphasize Hong Kong's chaotic, confusing, and overwhelming aspects. So as you mentioned, the animation is uh, pretty special mm-hmm. in this film. It used, and I'm going to I'm gonna be like, so smart right now. Okay. I'm going to so, use so many like phrases okay. and, and words. I'm can, yeah. so excited. <laughs> Ghost in the Shell used a novel process called Digitally Generated Animation, or DGA, which is a combination of cell animation, computer graphics, CG, and audio that is entered as digital data or code. In 1995, DGA was thought to be the future of animation as it allowed traditional animation to be combined with computer graphics and digital cell work with visual displays. Editing was performed on an AVID system of AVID technology, which was chosen because it was more versatile and less limiting than other methods and worked with different types of media in a single environment. The digital cell work included both original illustrations, compositions and manipulation with traditional cell animation to create a sense of depth and evoke emotion and feeling. Filters like lens effects were used to create a sense of depth and motion by distorting the front background and making the far background out of focus throughout the shots. 
Ghost in the Shell used a unique lighting system in which light and darkness were integrated into cells with attention to light and shadow sources instead of using contrasting control uh, of the light. Art director Hirosama Gura described this as a very unusual lighting technique. Some of the effects, such as Motoko's thermal optical camouflage when she goes invisible, mm -hmm. were rendered through the use of a Tima software. The process uses a single illustration and manipulates the image as necessary to produce distortions for effect in combination with a background without altering the original illustration. The effect is then re-added back into the shot to complete the scene. While the visual displays used in the film were technically simple to create, the appearance of the displays underwent numerous revisions by the production team to best represent visual displays of the future. Another aspect of CG use was to create images and effects that looked as if they were perceived by the brain and were generated in video and added to the film in its final stages. The opening credits of the film, which I thought was very cool, were produced by CG director Seichi Tanaka. Tanaka converted code in a computer language displayed in the Romanesa Romanticized, mm. no. <laughs> uh, Tanaka converted code in a computer language displayed in Romanized Japanese letters to numbers before inserting them into the computer to generate the credits. The origin of this code is the names of the film's staff as written in a computer language. Mm. Animation director Mitsuo Nishikubo was responsible for the realism and strove the accurate depictions of movement and effect. The pursuit of realism included staff conducting firearms research at a facility in Guam. Super weird. Nishikubo has highlighted the tank scene as an example of the movie's realism, noting that bullets create sparks when hitting metal, but do not spark when the bullet strikes stone. Mm. So there's a lot of like actual revolutionary yeah. uh, technology used in this movie. It's still like when you describe it, I'm still like, this was, it's from 1995? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Mm. <laughs> it's, yeah, no, it's so cool and ahead of its time, really. Yeah. And, and the, the effect is obviously. I mean, like the outcome mm -hmm. is great and so cool that they kind of took such a computerized approach to making a film like this. Yeah, mm. no, it's really cool. It, it feels like everything is just so <laughs> thought out from like every little thing yeah, about the project. It's very cool. Very well produced. Yeah. So lastly, before we move on to themes and kind of uh, main discussion, um, I want to talk about the audio because this film has a very mm -hmm. good score. Mm-hmm and uh, a lot of effort was put in to make it sound real. Ghost in the Shell's recording was done with a high-end studio to achieve superior sound throughout the film. A specializer was used to alter the sound specifically in the electronic brain conversations to modify the voices. Composer Kenji Koei scored the film. For the main theme, Koei tried to imagine the setting and convey the essence of that world in the music. He used a classical Japanese... He used... Yeah. He used classical Japanese in the opening theme making of a cyborg. The composition is a mixture of Bulgarian harmony and traditional Japanese notes. The haunting chorals are a wedding song sung to dispel all evil influences. Symphony conductor Sarah Panika-Smith notes that the song's lyrics are fitting for the union between Kusanagi and Project 2501 at the climax of the movie. Spoiler. Oh. Kawai originally wanted to use Bulgarian folk music singers but used Japanese folk singers instead. See You Every Day is different from the rest of the soundtrack being a pop song sung in Cantonese by Fang Kao Wing. The ending credits theme of the film's English version is Mon One Minute Warning by Passengers, a collaboration between everyone's favourite music duo, <laughs> U2 and Brian Eno. Yes. 
The song appeared on the album Original Soundtracks 1 and was of three songs on that album to actually be featured in the film, in a film. Andy Frayne, the founder of Manga Entertainment and the executive producer on the film, was a former marketing director for Island Records, the record label that produces U2 songs. So that's how they kind of got involved. Mm-hmm. But it does sound very cool. And like we yeah. said, like, um, uh, the Bul- I don't know how familiar you are with the Bulgarian Women's Choir. I'm not, unfortunately. Okay. But they have, uh, they have like, I think four or five really like huh. fire albums. Okay. I have to say. And, like, I've been listening to them since I was, like, 15. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, okay. but I loved them, so it was, like, super yeah. exciting to hear that, like, influence for me in the, yeah. um, in the opening scenes and, like, throughout the film. Because their voices, like, when they sing, it's, like, beautiful and mm-hmm. really eerie at the yeah, same time. Yeah, it's almost a bit haunting. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of scary in a way. Like, <laughs> and obviously, like, I don't understand Bulgarian at all, but that like their choice to use like a wedding song is kind of i feel like that's another element of mm-hmm. where you can tell that so much thought's been put yeah. into the movie so really impressive and i think you notice that a lot in anime or at least the animes that we've talked about on the podcast is that like it's such a cohesive production mm-hmm. like every single person is like almost as involved in the film as the writer yeah or the director yeah but i'm it takes a lot of people to get this to work yeah. there's so many animators usually mm-hmm. uh and everyone has to be on the same page in a way yeah and agree on how things are going to look how it's going to feel how it's very like mm. it feels more that the whole crew is more connected in a way absolutely because they have to be mm. um of course in a film when you make like not an anime but a live action film you have like the crew who films and then it goes over to the editor and it's still like connected by the director and the writer but mm. in anime here's like all of them have to be connected because yeah. yeah it's so specific everything and everything is so thought out mm-hmm. in, a, in a different way i just think it makes such like an exciting experience to watch and especially with animation just in general like it yeah. always feels so cohesive yeah it has to be you yeah, can't have like exactly. different drawing styles throughout the movie it yeah. has to be like so yeah yeah absolutely kind of hate that you too was involved in this film but we don't think I, about I that i guess i have not seen the english dub so i'm uh, i'm safe i didn't think about it with you too honestly <laughs> i don't really think about you too a lot <laughs> yeah well i think everyone thinks about you too a little bit since they forced themselves onto every single iphone mm. in the world that's true. Mm. That is actually true. Mm. They're the real ghost in the show. <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's touch on some themes, then we can get in some sort of like general discussion. Because yeah. um, another throwback to many one year ago. Yeah. Uh, many one year ago. <laughs> many um, one year. We had you on the podcast for the first time. Mm-hmm. Talking about. I talked about tickled, but we got into and, yeah. my master thesis. And then we talked about your AI, uh, AI yeah. involvement. Mm-hmm. Not only is she an anime girl, she's an <laughs> AI girl. <laughs> I want to be, but mm. no one wants to give me a job in AI and ethics where I want to work. Maybe this podcast episode. Maybe. You can put it on your CV. Oh, I will. And, like type out the hyperlink. Yeah. Hmm. Like, here we go. So this is some sort of like general themes and 
Uh, so, sorry if it's a bit, like, non-specific. The film explores the nature of human cyborgs, consciousness, self-aware computer programs, and memory alteration. In one of the monologues delivered by the puppet master throughout the film, it is argued that the human DNA is nothing more than a program designed to self-preserve. There are also multiple mentions of the act of granting political asylum to self-aware computer programs. The film depicts Motoko's identity and ontological concerns and ends with the evolution of the puppet master, a being without reproduction. Austin Corbett characterized the lack of sexualization from her team as freedom from femininity, noting that Motoko is overtly female and clearly non-female. In describing Motoko as shapely and strong, female protagonist at the center of the story who is nevertheless almost continuously nude, Roger Ebert <laughs> noted that an article about anime in a recent issue of Film Quarterly suggests that to be a salaryman in modern Japan is so exhausting and dehumanizing that many men, who form the largest part of the animation audience, project both freedom and power onto women and identify with them as fictional characters. What do you think about that? I don't know. Hmm. Just before I finish this paragraph, but just like <laughs> this, I told Carolina that I had something like insane to say. Yeah. And I think that's such a wild and really interesting kind of idea. Yeah. That like an anime woman mm-hmm. is everything that a salary man wants to be. But hmm, I, I kind of get the connection in a mm. way because it's so normalized in japan it seems like that men just fall asleep outside after work because they don't have time to sleep mm-hmm. properly and it's like it's such a intense working culture it seems like from a person who has not been to japan but can only tell from like what i've seen online yeah. and heard about it and um i know i guess a lot of anime women are portrayed as very free and I mean it always depends on the anime for sure Um, but yeah interesting that's Mm. a very interesting uh, it's like not a connection that I ever really thought of I guess and at the same time the men in anime is still very free yeah yeah? why the women boobs I was gonna say it's the boobs (laughs) they want the boobs yeah Carl Silvio has called Ghost in the Shell a resistant film due to its inversion of traditional gender roles in its valorization of the post-gendered subject and its de-emphasis on the sexual specificity of the material body. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, like, I guess in a way, her gender, Mm -hmm. the fact that she has, like, a female body Mm -hmm. isn't ever really, like... That, like it's not such like a a point to, no to make it's, it's just... not really acknowledged no kind of um because it, it's interesting that they chose to give her huge titties mm. and a very dainty <laughs> body yeah which is fine you can still be a strong woman with a dainty body mm-hmm. that's not what i'm saying at all uh but i feel like when you're making these like especially police that's supposed to be like very strong very and advanced since it's not a real person it's a type of ai and robot why do you make like 
if I was a cop, my boobs would be in the way. <laughs> mm. Like, honestly, I think having boobs would be in the way for sure. doing some of the things that she is doing. Mm-hmm. It's not shown that they are in the way, but they would be in the way. Um, so it's interesting how they make it like, instead of making her this optimal body, mm-hmm. <laughs> they make her this like very male gazey. body but at the same time they don't acknowledge it which is very interesting it's not really none of the people around her really cares yeah and her herself like Motoko has such an apparent like disconnect yeah from her own body like it's not something that she sees as sexual or even something that she necessarily has much of a connection with you see in the film that she's like Mm -hmm. not afraid of being completely naked no she will just get undressed yeah and get completely naked and do insane things mm. completely naked and it's kind of only when her uh her partner what is his name again yeah he kind of covers her up yeah sometimes he takes his jacket and cover her Mm -hmm. but she still doesn't really acknowledge that was scary (laughs) (laughs) Uh, she still doesn't really acknowledge the fact that she is nude and yeah yeah no it's there's almost like i feel like with her there's almost like a disinterest in her body and in the fact that in this society Mm -hmm. in the movie like a body can be replaced so easily yeah, like it's, a body is just a body it's nothing really yeah like sh- she is willing to push herself to the extremes and even like break mm-hmm. her own cyborg body because she there is no connection no mind body connection there that like she can be fixed it doesn't matter yeah and but, like, uh, it's the mind that is what can can't be fixed mm-hmm. that's what needs to be preserved but the body itself can be destroyed yeah it's kind of like which is why it's fitting they kind of call it a shell because mm. i feel like it's yeah like when <laughs> this is very weird way to compare the two <laughs> okay. but you know when like a a crab that has a shell or a snail get too big they just mm. dump it yeah and leave it to the next person and get a new one bigger one that fits them better yeah they're not really connected to that at all it feels like it's kind of oh this body doesn't work anymore or this yeah. shell doesn't work anymore. Yeah. I'm just gonna. That was. Oh, I don't know where I was going with that one. That was just. This is your new nature connection. Yes. In 2024. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Mm. That that's it. But yeah, it's like so disconnected and so like mm-hmm. don't care at all about yeah. anything, which must be so nice. <laughs> just <laughs> just saying. Yeah. But, there's something that we can like briefly touch on because um it's not necessarily something that i feel i have th- authority mm-hmm. to talk on but there is a kind of trans allegory that has been brought up and kind of identified with this film mm-hmm. kind of based on motoko's disconnect with her mm-hmm. with her own body and actually in the manga um so towards the end of the movie Matoko makes the decision to fuse mm-hmm. or and create a new being mm-hmm. with Project 2501. 
and the body that she ends up in in the manga is not a young child <laughs> in as it is in the film but it's mm-hmm. rather like a uh like a male body that presents female oh yeah that's kind of cooler yeah um so it's definitely and i've been reading a lot that it's like and uh, if it's something people want to look into more then Mm -hmm. i was going to link to a lot of articles yeah that i did read um but you can definitely see the connection there like a disparity between the kind of because you see Matoko in one scene moving through the city it, that that uh, boat scene that I mentioned and she sees another person with mm-hmm. her exact same body yeah and obviously it's a different person inside mm-hmm. but it's like the, the body is a commodity and it doesn't really matter how you look it's like how you feel mm-hmm. on the inside and obviously I want to really express how you feel on the inside which mm-hmm. is very important and very uh, and it's inspired so many like the Wachowski sisters who made the matrix and that's like just movies about being trans Mm -hmm. and the trans experience as well yeah Mm. um but i think also for me this film in a way is sort of trying to sort of subvert like a female expectation Mm -hmm. in a way that we see in so many sci-fi movies what women can be yeah and i think even though she uh is female and like kind of confusingly like i was reading a whole thing about like the point of a shell is that they're not supposed to be able to reproduce yeah and in that way then that's like the freedom Mm -hmm. for women like they're escaping a kind of uh predestined thing that's expected yeah, of them yeah or like but then if if they have that desire then a then a then a ghost in the shell cannot reproduce mm-hmm. and in that way it's like creating new life from nothing when mm-hmm. she fuses with the with the project yeah i guess but like she does kind of like overtly quote-unquote masculine things and she is like very muscular and she is mm. um she is like represented as a woman but mm. she's kind of not following the normal gender roles as society has made for women <laughs> she mm. is she is very strong she's very athletic she's very um like she just throws herself off <laughs> yeah. a huge building mm-hmm. and like shoots people it's like yeah that's yeah yeah which women can do but it's not like especially in 1995 the generals i felt was a lot more like women do this men do this type of thing yeah but i think it was just sort of like an interesting point to kind of touch on because i think Mm -hmm. we have spoken about it before uh about like the use of like violence towards women Mm -hmm. in in this genre and horror Mm -hmm. as well as like that's such a key tool and like this article that i read written by andrew mcgee who's a filmmaker uh the article is called ghost in the shell cyberpunk and female body autonomy Mm -hmm. he was talking about like in such recent like sci-fi movies and horrors that like there's just kind of like a huge uptick in violence towards women Mm -hmm. um and especially in the scene in ghost in the shell when she 
is kind of um she's on the tank and she's like pulling it so hard that she breaks her own body yeah but he was saying that's more of like a like i said like a rejection or like acknowledgement that her body doesn't matter yeah in a way and yeah that's some sort of female liberation front yeah i i get that because like i think a lot of people think that the female body is only made for one thing and that's reproduce mm. and i that's, think that's what i was trying to say yeah that like they escaped that yeah and in a way being freed from that expectation um it, it, it must be nice mm. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i definitely see that yeah but mm. mm-hmm. this was a very good um very very good article yeah I, I, it's uh it helped like kind of contextualize a lot of stuff with uh what i was trying to mm-hmm. think and say so i got a lot of information from it for sure but also just like there is like a blur of, of gender and it's mm-hmm. like it's, in the manga i don't know if it was said in the movie but like it's said that Matogo has had different bodies yeah like her um ghost is always the same yeah but, but the, body, the body can be different yeah. and that's just like a um that again is like kind of like a gender mm-hmm. rejection in a way and the same with the puppet master is it's just like it's just a being it's yeah. like it's beyond it's, having a body yeah it's it's bigger than yeah uh, being connected to a certain certain body mm. and a certain mind yeah do you want to talk about philosophy for like two minutes <laughs> <laughs> let's go <laughs> yeah it just it led me on like an interesting path i guess uh so specifically like i was reading a, about descartes mm-hmm. he was a philosopher from many many years ago um he very famously said i think therefore i am mm-hmm. um which i think is like a hot topic in a way mm-hmm. from ai yeah now. yeah uh, he al- and he also kind of described that like there's two modes of existence and that like a mind can exist without a body but a body can't exist without a mind mm-hmm. which i guess is kind of what the whole film is, is kind of getting at yeah like a like a shell can be like autonomous but it's not alive mm-hmm. it's not it's, it's a free thinker it's not a, a soul yeah it's mm. just there mm. in a way but i guess that's like the common fear with stuff like ai and computers mm-hmm. is like where the human race is so concerned mm-hmm. that they're just gonna like come alive and yeah turn all of the computers off or something <laughs> yeah there's a, and i wanted to i feel like this is like a crazy comparison to make but throughout the 20th century like so much sci-fi came to being because obviously like mm-hmm. medicine and technology was all like developing so quickly and then like all of the work by philip k dick uh is particularly do androids dream of electric sheep yeah that's like such like a contemplative and philosophical book like kind of created being mm-hmm. created to think think itself mm-hmm. in a way and i guess in that book and movie blade runner it's yeah. like yes mm-hmm. but like there was so much fear and intrigue about computers and and science yeah and i kind of understand that because it's so like new and unknown mm. and we're still kind of 
back with that fear now it feels yeah. like with the new development of ai mm-hmm. and people are like it's taking over yeah it's, like it's happening it's some some sort of evil yeah thing i think people can use it to do bad things but it's it's not like inherently the program itself is not inherently no good or bad but i think it's probably the worst thing you can use ai for than cheat on an assignment eventually. yeah that's uh, yeah uh, Th- like that's I, my only barometer yeah <laughs> no i wouldn't be surprised if uh all of a sudden in wars the the beings on the front line were ai kind of program to to shoot at the enemy sure okay um i wouldn't be surprised if that happened Hmm. um because there is like drones that are being steered from somewhere else why can't we program things with guns to shoot for sure uh but then it's like um how is this gonna work if one country is a lot richer than the other country Hmm. that's like fucked for the other country absolutely um but yeah I I really understand that fear and um, yeah yeah I I get it yeah I was like had been reading about uh, Y2K mm-hmm. for example and like people were so so afraid yeah of that like the microwave was just gonna grow legs and take him take like I I'm the owner of the house now this is this is my house now yeah but that's just like how can it be something that we're so interested in like fabricating some sort of consciousness Mm -hmm. out of nothing and then we're like also very afraid of it also happening yeah it's like a mix of oh this is very interesting and oh my god we're gonna die if we keep (laughs) yeah evolving this yeah a lot to think about for sure oh yeah and i think everyone should pay attention to what is happening absolutely i i think this is one of those things where you can't just be like no i don't want to know because mm-hmm. so That's much is happening yeah. and it's very real and it's very like so much ai mm-hmm. is already used for everything it's in your phone it is it's the algorithm it's, yeah it's yeah. everywhere yeah and um all you girlies be... on tiktok think you're in thinking you're escaping ai you're not you're in the AI I think most people on TikTok are very well aware (laughs) (laughs) on the algorithm and AI yeah Yeah. I like my my AI on my Instagram because uh, Instagram? because like the algorithm because it uh, oh it it shows me pictures of hot men every day that's good for you and I'm so thankful yeah I get that yeah my and female actresses it's that's all it's like me objectifying men and then watching 30 seconds of an incredible female performance nice and that's it yeah that's how it should be Mm -hmm. Mm. (laughs) jacob lordy if you're listening (laughs) (laughs) please i heard you're single (laughs) (laughs) yeah the same i say i also heard you were single just Mm. either one of us yeah (laughs) we don't care come on the podcast (laughs) oh please (laughs) Let's talk about how we don't like sulfur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Hmm. Would you get cybernetic enhancements? Maybe. Yeah. It w- could be kind of cool. I think so. Yeah. Get some new knees. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but would I still be me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, Ship of Theseus. Yeah. <laughs> Just sneaking it in there. That's always something that, like, ever since I was a kid, and mm-hmm. I would watch stuff, and it was like people like uploading their consciousness to the internet, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, but it's not them. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like you die. Yeah. And yes, you, quote unquote, exist. Yeah, but. There, but it's not you. Like, no. you're dead. Yeah. It's not your. And I'd be like, I don't get it. What's the point then? <laughs> That's not living forever because it's not you. No. And also, would you still know and feel the same as you did when you were alive? Exactly. It would be a different experience. It's, uh, mm. yeah. My first exposure to that was in Adventure Time, actually. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. And it, like, really, I was like, because uh, a character dies, and mm. in order to see her son again, eventually uploads her. Mm. Um, she creates lots of, like, little robot versions of herself and uploads her consciousness to all of them. That's scary. Um, but I was like, but it's not fair yeah no it's like if my parents suddenly showed up in like a robot but mm. there was their consciousness it's like is it still you yeah exactly because what are we are we our arms and legs and our body or are we our consciousness yeah <laughs> souls it's in, like, in meat cars Yes, yeah. if I lost both my arms and legs and got them replaced with like robot arms and legs, yeah. I would still be me. Mm. I'm not defined by by my flesh, exactly. but I am by my consciousness. But yeah, no, it's uh... T. Period. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna go way too deep. I'm gonna have an existential crisis t- yeah. later tonight. If we talk <laughs> more about this, I'm gonna no. like cry and be like, "Who am I? What am I?" Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this was nice. Yeah. Thanks for coming back. Of course. Yeah, and and, and uh, if you made it this far, you feel excited to know that Caroline will be on next week's I episode, will. and then in two weeks after that. I will. <laughs> this is the season three is the season of Carolina. Yeah, this is Carolina's season. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna check in with Carolina on her um, birds and bugs updates. Yes. Yeah. There's not a lot of bugs out right now in no. Bergen. It's just it's snow. Birds. It's birds. Mm. I saw a tiny bird yesterday. It was very cute. I saw a wren. <gasps> very, very small. Like, fully Maybe we saw the same type of bird. <gasps> oh. Whoa. What? We live in the Matrix. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. This has been a Bergen Film Club production. Our music is by Wise John. Check them out on Instagram at WISE John Official. Our logo is by Pierre Sophia Brentesen. This episode was produced, mixed, and engineered by Joe Lawrence. Our researchers are Inke Schilkreibern and Mamina Nazmajit. Want to talk to us about films? Then please send us an email at podcast at bergenfilmclub.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at TheRealThinkPod. Check us out on Letterboxd at BFK The Real Thing. Thank you and goodbye. Listen, follow, leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts.